Well, we're going to be talking about flourishing today, but before we do that, let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your church gathered here. Lord, I thank you for the hearts in this room. I thank you for the worship, God, of, of your name, Lord, that your spirit is here with us at work. And Lord, we ask for this to be a continuation of that as we open your word. As we talk about rest today, Lord, it's something that, um, man, we, we, all, we all crave. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, you would provide the rest, God. Uh, you would provide the peace. And Lord, you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's, it's super good to be with you guys. Um, if you've been with us this summer, we've been going through this series called Flourish. And the whole idea of this series is wrapped up in uh, John 15, where, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says, hey, you have two choices. You can remain in me and flourish and be fruitful, or you can disconnect from me and wither. And so we thought we'd take this summer to talk about what does a life that's flourishing look like? Uh, what does a life that's fruitful look like? How do I live a life in Christ that, that bears fruit, that, that overflows? We talk about having life that overflows. How do I live that kind of life? And so we've tried to get pretty practical and talk about different spiritual practices that we can do in our lives to connect with God. Because the message of John 15 is that all life comes from God. And that anything that we do from value has to flow from God through us. Uh, we don't work for God, right? God works through us. It's all God. So um, that's the message. And so when we talk about spiritual practices, I want to be clear. We're not trying to make you more holy or uh, make you feel better about yourself. We are really trying to say, hey, this is a way to connect with God. And so we've talked about reading scripture, and Brady came and shared on prayer. And, and we went and we talked about it, the, the camping trip last week, silence and solitude. Um, all of these are vital in order to stay connected to God. Because out of him flows our life. Out of him flows everything we do. In fact, in, uh, in John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing, meaning you can do nothing of eternal value apart from me. And so that's why it is so critical and important that we understand what it looks like to flourish in Christ. And so today we're going to talk about a spiritual practice that might feel very urgent in your life. A, a need like, oh, if I could just get more of this, I'd be better in every area. And you know what? That's probably true. Um, and that's rest. Who here struggles with rest? Good, we got some people. Okay, I do. My hand's way up there. I, this summer, I have done some specific work on rest. How can I rest? And rest is vitally important. Who here would say, I need to learn to rest better? Any? Yeah, okay, so we're all in agreement that I should keep preaching, right? Is that good? Okay, <laughs> good. You know you have veto power, right? You can be like, okay, no, that's enough. You're done. Let's just go have veggies and hot dogs. Um, but today we're going to talk about not just rest and that we need more rest, but what type of rest does God want us to have? What type of rest does God want us to have? And I had some trouble when I, I thought about this message. Um, I think we need to talk about rest, but I think we also need to talk about work because the two go together. And for some of us, 
we might really love resting, and the push for us is like, God has work for us to do. God has stuff he's called you to do and, and, and wants you to do that you need to step into. For others, we need to learn how to really, really rest. Probably for all of us, we need to learn how to really, really rest the way that God wants us to. So I have those two tensions today. I want to look and see what does, what does it mean to work in the way that God wants me to work, and what does it look like for me to rest in the way that God wants me to rest? Because they go together, when you, and hopefully the goal is working well and resting well. They go together. Work and rest go together. The good news is this. As we talk about rest, we're doing it in this magical place called Whatcom County. If you haven't lived outside of Whatcom County, let me just tell you, Whatcom County is a great place to rest. It's a great place to rest. It's peaceful. Uh, there's tons of stuff to do. We have the water and the mountains and all these different... If you have trouble finding a hobby in Whatcom County, let's talk, okay? Because there is a lot that you could be doing. But we live in a, in a beautiful place. I remember helping a friend move from uh, up from Portland, and he, he was moving into an apartment that overlooked the bay in Bellingham, and his dad was helping him move up, and he, he looked around, he looked out at the view, and he's like, okay, so you basically moved to vacation, you know, nice. So in other parts, you know, even in the Northwest, like, there's something about Whatcom County, maybe even Blaine, that feels a little bit like vacation, and that's a blessing, but it can also be a trap at the same time. It can be a trap because we can, we can start living for that rest, right? easy, breezy life. Or if we're not living for it, at least we want to live for it. So there, there is that trap of like, sometimes it can be so good, it can be too good, you know? But the question is that we're going to wrestle with today, are we living out God's vision, God's heart for work and rest in our lives? And don't get me wrong, we need to rest. We need to take time in the mountains, time on the water, time on walks, biking, whatever you do to recharge you. And just because we live in a beautiful place doesn't make us immune to weariness. I remember working at Rebound during the Ray of Hope season, which was our big season. It's a big summer camp, uh, which m many of you have, have been at six weeks uh, with uh, 100 kids with aggressive behavior. A lot of fun, guys. A lot of fun. Um, actually, one of the most stressful experiences of my life, like a very stressful time, six weeks, very intense. And I remember driving one day, and it's a beautiful morning, sun is shining, and, and I, I look out the left, and there's Mount Baker right there, right? Just glistening, beautiful. And I was just thinking, what I would do anything to take a left and go east and go spend time on the mountain. I don't know if you guys have ever had that thought, driving down I-5 during a stressful work day, um, but, but me for sure. You know, there are times in life where it seems impossible to find rest and margin, where, where you're in a sprint, uh, where life continues to feel like it's piling on. Um, there are times in life where it, it just, you're in survival mode. You're just trying to get to the next thing and, and hopefully one day, the madness will end, you know? That's the hope of the, the survivalist. One day this will end. 
And, and I know, you know, I, I know that feeling. I, I've been there. And so as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking, well, let's talk big picture about work and rest and how they go together because God wants us to do both. And sometimes rest feels impossible. And if you feel like you're in a place where rest feels impossible, I want you to know that God can still give you rest. It isn't impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. So we're going to talk about that today. And I want to talk about the type of rest, because we're not just called to rest. We're supposed to rest in a way that restores our soul, that, that reconnects us to God. Our rest should be a, a, a reconnection with God. It's not just taking a day off. It's not just taking a break. It's about reconnection with God. In the same way, work isn't ultimately just about work. It's the vocation that God's given us to bring him glory, to advance his kingdom. It doesn't matter if you're a, a vocational pastor or, or you work in construction. It's all part of God's kingdom. Like God uses you in the vocation he has, he has you in. And so my hope for you is that you would find flourishing in your work and in your rest. That you would be intentional about your work and your rest that you wouldn't just default to whatever you know you think that the expectation is of you or just or just coast in either but really be intentional about your work and your rest so the uh, two questions i want to look at today the first question is a is a, a challenge if are you living to rest or are you resting to live so that's the first challenge that's if rest is too much of a focus in your life. You know, that's if it, rest has become an idol, right? Are you living to rest or resting to live? We rest so that we can live in Christ. It's a part of it. It's not the whole thing. And the second question is this. Are you resting in a way that restores your soul? Are you resting in a way that restores your soul? When you rest, are you experiencing a renewal of hope? and vision, and life in Christ? Do you feel that God is near to you? Do you when you make that space in your life, are you making that space to spend with him, to, to put energy towards God and the ones near you? Because it's easy to distract ourselves, right? I have a day off, and, and we can be unintentional about the way we spend our rest. We can just coast through it. And, and so my challenge is how can we be more intentional, more focused on how we're resting? And so those two questions are for us to wrestle with as we look at the big, big picture of Scripture on work and rest. And here's the first thing you need to know. Both work and rest are good in God's eyes. Work is not a curse. Work was cursed when we, when we sinned, but... Um, work was part of God's plan. It's always been part of God's plan that we would have purpose, that, that we would uh, serve, that we would, um, we, God didn't just make us to be like kings and queens on thrones in paradise. No, part of truly flourishing is having a purpose where you see the difference that your life is making in the life of someone else. And so purpose has always been a part of God's plan, and rest has always been a part 
of God's plan. If you go back to Genesis 1, verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God rested. God rested. And it wasn't because he needed a nap. God didn't need a nap, but God modeled like, no, I take joy in my work. I also take joy in not working. I find joy in rest. And so at creation, God models both work and rest. Both are good, and both are part of our calling and wiring as humans. Uh, later in Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So that's the purpose given to humans, is to, to basically to work and, and keep the garden. And work simply means to do. Like, whatever you do is work. So in this context, obviously, he's talking about working the ground. So he was called to till the soil specifically. But, but it's very simple. It's just whatever you do. And even in the New Testament, it says whatever you do, do unto the Lord. Right? We do and we cease from doing. We do and we be. Right? So. So we are created to create and to serve and to do. We're created to have purpose and a work. And work as God set it up is a beautiful thing. When we find our calling, when we, know, when we know what God's called us to do, how that fits into his greater plan, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, Tim Keller wrote this in his book, Every Good Endeavor, which is a great read on work and purpose, if, if you want something to read on that. He says, Work was not a necessary evil that came into the picture later, or something that human beings were created to do, but that was beneath the great God himself. No, God worked for the sheer joy of it. Work could not have had a more exalted inauguration. He's saying work was celebrated from day one, right? Work and purpose were there in the beginning. And so we're called to find work and purpose and joy in what God calls us to do. Work is different. You know, we have, there's sin in the world. Work is harder. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But at the root of it, we're supposed to find work that brings us joy and brings God joy and brings others joy. We're supposed to find that kind of work. And it doesn't have to have the word pastor or missionary on it to be significant spiritual work. All of our work is significant. All of our work is, is uh, commissioned by God, whatever vocation we land in. Um, as, long as, it, as long as God's called us there, as long as God's put us there, it's, it's spiritual work. So we see that the problem is not work, it's sin, that sin came in and messed up work. Um, you look at Genesis 3.17, God says this to Adam. He says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. 
Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Something changed there, right? So sin corrupted work. Instead of work being enjoyable, it became enslaving. Instead of work feeling purposeful, it began to feel painful. And we can all attest to that. Uh, probably we've worked in places uh, where we felt trapped or stuck, or we've worked in places that, that gave us a lot of, of pain, headache, abuse, whatever it is. And it's not just, it's not just the, like our work itself. It's like the whole system, the whole world system of work <laughs> also is filled with oppression and pain. Like when you share the gospel in different parts of South America, as much as they long for freedom from sin, they also long for freedom from oppression, from the work systems that they've, they've had to live in. And we deal with oppression uh, even in this country. And, you know, we've had the civil rights movement in the 1960s, people standing up against oppression. So with sin, work in general, and even systems of work uh, became corrupted and work is now hard it says in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life and so we live and work in a broken world a place where people are mistreated and taken advantage of we live in a world that can be cruel and unfair and we can find ourselves stuck in a toxic workplace or toxic work relationships or where we feel mistreated or even abused by different people that we work with. Or we can work in places that are so stressful that, that they cause our health um, to, to go down the tubes, whether it's physical burnout or a mental breakdown or, or, or just that ongoing anxiety and stress. We can work in places that burn us out physically. But the good news is that God has always been on mission to redeem the world, and that includes work and rest. God's always been about redeeming work and rest, setting people free, lifting burdens. God's always been about that work. And so at creation and before the fall, God himself practiced rest, and he did so intending for us to follow suit. It says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So even before sin entered the world, God had already instituted a day of rest. It, when, uh, <clears throat> and, and then when his people, um, the, the Israelites came on the scene, he instituted the Sabbath. We call it the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is a day to stop. It's really a day to stop and savor. The word Sabbath relates to the word savor. We, we stop, we cease striving, and we rest, and we recognize that God's in control. And we get to savor that. It's a day to savor God and the blessings that he's given you and your family and your friends. So when uh, the fa phase one of God's plan was the nation of Israel— and they were supposed to be God's representative. Okay, try this again. God's representatives in this chaotic, crazy world. They were supposed to represent God. And part of the way that they did that was in rest. That they took a day where they stopped tilling the field, 
They, they, they stopped working hard. If I, now, I'm not a farm boy, obviously. Um, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but there's always work to be done on the farm, right? And it's, that's never changed. And so, um, so here we have the nation of Israel stopping work on the Sabbath day. But here's the thing. God just didn't give them a day. Every seven years, they were supposed to take a year off. Did you know that? They were supposed to take a year off. That's where the idea of sabbatical comes from. They would take a whole year off. Let the land rest for a whole year. Store up enough grain in those six years so that you don't have to work that seventh year and just let the land rest. So the church network we're with, Christ the King, has a policy where every seven years I get to take two months off. So tw summer 2024, see you guys later. I'll be back. But biblically, I should take a whole year off. So back me up on this, guys. If I... I'm going to do it. No. <laughs> Two years out. Okay. So, anyway. So, every, after every six years, the seventh year was supposed to be a year of rest. And then after seven sevens, or 49 years, there was what was supposed to be called the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee uh, was one where, where debts were forgiven it was one where people who had sold themselves into slavery were set free, and everybody feasted and celebrated. It really was supposed to be a picture of heaven, right? It's supposed to be this picture of heaven, a year of jubilee, where everybody just stopped what they were doing and set the world right. I want you to know that God deeply cares about your rest and the rest of his people. God deeply cares that you rest. His plan for time off is greater than your employer's time, or plan for time off. God wants you to rest and celebrate and see striving and enjoy and savor him. Enjoy and savor him. God wants us to find our joy in rest. In Isaiah 58, God is speaking to a nation who had forgotten to practice rest. So you speed up, and Israel didn't follow the plan. They, 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 didn't, they didn't take the years off. They didn't celebrate Jubilee. They were missing it. They were missing God's plan. They were missing Sabbath itself. As Isaiah 58 says, they were just doing whatever they pleased. Whatever business they wanted to do, they were doing. They were continuing to do. And so in Isaiah 58... Um, the prophet Isaiah, God basically pulls the e-brake and, and, and this whole passage begins with, with, is this not the fast I choose? Stop all the religious stuff you're doing and let's get back to what I told you to do. And part of that is Sabbath. It says this in Isaiah 58, 13. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, and the Lord's day honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We are supposed to take rest, guys. 
We are supposed to find joy in rest. And more importantly, joy in Jesus, who is our rest. We will find joy when we take that rest, when we trust God enough to stop, because that's really what it comes down to. Do I trust God enough to let things hang, to not get back to this person, right? To put my phone in my desk. I don't know what it is for you, but it's just putting that away and allowing yourself to spend time in the joy of the Lord. Letting the kids scream, you know? Um, but during the Sabbath rest, people weren't supposed to, back then, move much. They were, they were restricted in, in what they could do. They were supposed to cook the night before. And a Jewish Sabbath was 5 p.m. Friday to 5 p.m. Saturday. They were just supposed to be home, alone, recharging. They were supposed to slow down, slow their busy feet, and find joy in God. And so you need to know that God invites you to find joy in him and to rest in him and to take a break. God is not trying to just push you to go and go and go. That actually, in order to go, you need to take time first. You need to rest. Here's the other thing. The New Testament tells us it's not a, a uh, strict legalistic thing that we practice Sabbath. Paul says in Romans 14, he says, One considers one day more sacred than another, and another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So I'll tell you what. Sunday is not my Sabbath. <gasps> no. <laughs> Sunday is not my Sabbath. You know why? Because I'm working right now, guys. I'm on the clock. So uh, you got... No, I'm kidding. No, but I'm, I'm working. I, I'm, I'm, I need to not be working in order to Sabbath. So we actually try to do like more of a, a Jewish-style Sabbath where it's, you know, we just try to rest intentionally from 5 p.m. Friday to 5 p.m. Saturday. That's, that's what we try to do. We just try to block out those hours where we can slow down, spend time with family. You know, one thing that's helping me, like, this is weird, guys, but one thing that I've been enjoying lately is listening to country music. Yeah? Because, hear me out, it's a little weird. But no, there's just some good, like, family songs in there, right? Slow down, spend time with your kids, life is short, right? So if you need a recalibration, start listening to country, guys. Seriously. I mean, yeah, some of you are like, amen, brother, we're with you. Not all the country, okay? I don't listen to, like, Tractor Sexy or anything like that. But <laughs> nothing, nothing like that, but uh, some of the songs, some of the songs. Um, anyways, let's talk... Let's talk real practical, if, if we can rein it in. I don't know. But what I'm advocating is how to rest specifically in a 24-hour period. That is my homework for you. You pick a 24-hour period, or you sit down with your, your husband or wife or your, your family, talk about, can we practice a 24-hour time of real legitimate rest? Not where we're just running around like... Uh, or just replacing, like, other work for, for how it's important we need to make space for those? Bonnie laughs. We do. We need to make space for those. Um, 
But what I'm, what I'm arguing for is these, these three things, recreation, reflection, and relationship. We need to focus on recreation, reflection, and relationship. Um, there's a pastor named John Tyson who well, I've referenced before in this series, but he talked about how relaxing and resting are not the same things. And that we actually, in our country, we're kings of relaxing, right? We get done with a long day, and we have endless ways to entertain ourselves or distract ourselves um, and, and just and, and do that. You know, that's, that's relaxing, right? That's, that's what we do to, to relax. Um, but it doesn't re, uh, involve recreation, reflection, or relationship. Like, if it's just about checking out and not allowing your brain to process or commune with others, that's just relaxing. And relaxing is not a bad thing unless it replaces rest in your life, right? I'm not saying don't relax. You guys, don't relax. We're talking about rest, but don't relax. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But what I'm advocating for is let's be more intentional about rest. Let's be more intentional about rest. Relaxing instead of resting is like, being completely famished and instead of taking the time to cook a steak and potatoes we just go and find a bowl full of skittles and just go to town you know that's kind of what it's like it doesn't leave you feeling better right kind of leaves you feeling gross and maybe a little agitated like that's the difference you know that's the difference between relaxing and resting there was an article this week that talked about how the use of uh, marijuana and hallucinogenic drugs among young people is at an all-time high right now. And I was just thinking about that and the, the argument for that being, I, you know, I need this to, to help with my anxiety, right? But whether it's that or Netflix or whatever, are we really helping our anxiety or are we just kicking it down the curb a little bit, right? It's just kicking it down the curb. It gets worse. What if the answer to our anxiety problems is really, really resting in Christ? Really, really following God's plan for rest. Choosing recreation, reflection, and relationship. And I want you to know that whatever situation you're in, whatever you're struggling with, you are not powerless. That God's given you his spirit to set you free from whatever you're struggling with. But we need to choose God's way of rest. So let's talk about recreation. Recreation is God's invitation to you to find joy in what he created. Spend time outside. I know in the Northwest it's hard to do that January through March, but spend time outside. Have hobbies that restore you, right? Exercise. Work your body as well as your mind. God wants you to enjoy what he's created. Um, so God gave the Sabbath to uh, a hardworking, farm-oriented culture. Uh, a lot of us, like in, me included, uh, I sit a lot during my week. You know, I'm not, I'm not as active. Um, so w since my work involves a lot of sitting, my rest involves the opposite, right? So that's hiking, that's running. Uh, there's, there's a group here that plays basketball. Like, that's good stuff, you know? Um, so, just figure out how do you 
recreate. Reflection. Last week we talked about taking time for silence and solitude in your life. That is so important. Having time where the sole purpose is getting away and being quiet before God. Taking time to reflect. Taking time outside of your house to just think, right? To just think and, and reflect on what God's done in your life. Rest requires reflection. And the last part is relationship. Rest makes space for relationship, both with God and with your family and friends. Those people who recharge you, right? When we talk about relationship on the Sabbath, we're talking about the people who recharge you. So that's God, and that's other people in your life. You know, I've done some, uh, we've doing some reading recently and, and found out that the reason why monasteries existed or came into existence was for that longing for deep friendship for people with sincere faith. The monasteries came into existence uh, after, after Christianity became the state religion. And what they found in the church at that time is that actually there was a lot of people living with insincere faith. So a group of them wanted to live in a more sincere faith community. So they started these monasteries. And they got together. And they had deep community. And they had focus and all these different things. I think it's a beautiful picture. I mean, there's some things like you know, like w that are more works-based type stuff that came out of monasteries. I'm, I'm not huge on, but the idea of getting together around people with sincere faith and being filled is just as valuable today as it is back then. It's a chance to be together, deeper time with God, deeper time with others, slowing down, having a reduced speed. And if we go back to Isaiah 8, Isaiah 8 the whole hope of this is that you find joy in the Lord, right? That our rest should, should birth this joy in the Lord, that rest brings joy. Rest releases us from the stress and burden of life. And it also looks forward to a time when we'll enter God's rest forever. Rest is supposed to be a taste of heaven, a taste of the rest that is to come, that we'll experience rest with God forever. And here's the thing. Jesus died so that we could be at rest with God. Jesus died so that we could be at rest with God before there was friction and war between us and God. And Jesus died so that we could experience rest and peace with him. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So here's the crazy thing about the gospel. Jesus went to war so that we could have peace with him. So Jesus fought the war. He died on the cross. He, he, he died a violent death so that between us and God, there is no war anymore. There's only peace. And when we believe in Jesus, we get to enter that peace. You know what that's called? That's called reconciliation. I get to live in a reconciled relationship with God where there is no break. There is no friction. It's just me and God. There is no me working to appease God. I can just, my soul can be at rest with him. 
And that's the beautiful picture of rest that, that Scripture screams. Uh, we get to live at peace with God. Baker Encyclopedia defined biblical peace this way. I just want to share this with you. This is the definition of biblical peace. Total well-being, prosperity, and security associated with God's presence among his people. That's been the model of peace throughout history, is that there's nothing blocking that presence anymore, guys. That God, that, that you can be in the presence of God. If you remember the, if, if, if you know about how the temple was constructed way back in the day, um, God's presence was in this really sheltered, protected, holy place, right? They called it the Holy of Holies. And then after Jesus died, all of those barriers were removed. And so we get to live in a state of peace with God. We don't have to fight. Our hearts don't have to be at war with him. We can be at peace with him. That's the gospel. And so let's practice that. And so this week, sit down. Start thinking about what would it look like for me to have 24 hours of rest? What would it look like for me to have a 24-hour period where I can intentionally practice rest? And I'll tell you what, if you just get 12, awesome, right? Like, I'm good with, with uh, baby steps. And there's always going to be reasons not to rest. There's always going to be pressure uh, on you that will push you away from rest. So I'm asking you to be really, really intentional, really, really thoughtful. Write it down. Set it in stone. I want to go back to those two questions as we, as we close. Are we living to rest or resting to live? So we made rest an idol, or are we really resting to live? Are we finding our life in rest? Are we finding our life in rest? And are, are we working hard as unto the Lord? Are we finding purpose in our work? Because I'll tell you what, working for the Lord makes rest sweet. Right? Whatever you do, whatever your vocation is, if you're bringing glory to God in your job, that makes your rest sweet. That makes the breaks sweet. And that second question was, are you resting in a way that restores your soul? Not just relaxing, but being intentional about your rest. And so as we close today, I just want to do this. I want to pray for all of us who feel like rest is sort of a dream right now or sort of feels impossible. Um, we're going to sing this song at the end. It's very simple. It's one line, and it just is, let the peace of the Holy Spirit fall all around you. And that's what I want to sing, because, you know, as much as we practice rest, we need to let God's rest and God's presence fill our lives, right? So I want to make space for that right now, and I want to pray for you, especially if you're feeling like rest feels like a long shot, impossible, or you're in a season of survival. Let's pray. Lord, I just, uh, I admit that there's so much more that I need to learn about rest and, and practice. And Lord, we um, as a church come before you today, and I just think about uh, those of us that are in a survival season or in a frantic pace, or struggling with rest, or we feel disconnected from you, and that there's no margin to calm down and, and, and settle down and sit before your feet. Spirit, I pray that right now in this place, 
that we could kneel before you, God, that we could feel you close to us, that you would fill us with your peace. God, I believe that you are good. Lord, we because we know that you're good. We know that you won't let us fall. We know that you won't drop us. God, we know that you're watching out for us, God. We know that you're the one who lets us rest, lets us take our hands off the wheel and rest. Sometimes life feels like chaos. Whether it's, uh, whether it's kids or work or whatever it is, God, life feels like chaos. Sometimes life feels like it's pressing in on every side. And Lord, if people are in that space today, I pray for a moment of peace right now, God. I pray that your spirit would, would fill them, Lord, that your spirit would fall on them, and Lord, that you would show them the way to deeper rest, God. Lord, on the flip side, if there's work that you want us to do that we haven't stepped into, I pray that you would help us to take that step. Lord, help us to work with purpose and find joy, God. Help us to find joy both in our work and our rest. Help us to find joy in both. Lord, I believe you want this community here in Blaine, Washington to flourish. Lord, I believe that you want us to be overflowing with the peace and love of Jesus. And you want us to pour out on the community around us, God that we would be a center of peace. And so, God, I pray, just start now. Lord, fill this room with your peace, we pray. In Jesus' name.